Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today... It's Jordan Blackwell, and although Leicester City haven't been playing, we'll still be discussing plenty of Leicester City-related items as well. We'll perhaps look ahead to the January transfer window as well and uh, try and predict what might be happening just a few months down the line because we're getting into the uh, closing stage of the season once the internationals are over. Um, then we get into the last eight games of the campaign. It will quickly come round again, the transfer window. Before we get underway, I'd just like to remind you to head over to beer52.com. If you enjoy beer and you want free beer, head over there, use the tagline Leicester to register. You could be enjoying eight beers from around the world, and all you've got to do is pay for your postage and packing. Now, Jordy, it's an international break. We're not reflecting on a game like we normally would be mm-hmm. on a, a Monday morning, but uh, there was a game of sorts on Friday. And I say a game of sorts because it wasn't the uh, the, the greatest of uh, spectacles. A 1-0 win for England, but what we're really bothered about is the Leicester City influence on that game. Um, notably Jamie Vardy and Harry Maguire. Now the plan was, uh, we believe, the plan was for the both of them to start that game on the bench, which they did, um, not to play too much time because of the extra time they played against Chelsea the previous Sunday in the FA Cup quarter-final. And then both were due to start against Italy tomorrow night as we are talking now. That's still 24 hours away. But that didn't quite pan out like that, certainly not for Harry Maguire. No, no, Joe Gomez, who starts in that, that England back three that we've uh, become accustomed to now, um, went off injured very early in the game and um, Harry Maguire had to step in. But then at the very end of the game, he was substituted himself um, with uh, what seems like a, a hamstring complaint. Um, now, it seems like he's okay. There was a, there seems like a bit of concern Bear in mind Gareth Southgate's comments afterwards, but it seems like he's okay and he's back in training. Whether he'll be risked now um, in tomorrow's game against Italy, uh, we yet to see. Uh, but I think it's quite likely that Vardy will start um, and hopefully he'll uh, touch the ball. Touch the ball, yeah. How long is um, he on for? 20 odd minutes? Yeah, 22 minutes, I think, and, and not a single touch of the ball, which he says he, he doesn't think has ever happened to him. Um, but he says that you know, England were. We're defending a one 0 lead at that point, and I suppose getting the striker on the ball isn't um, isn't as key in those moments. But I suppose it's, he must also be a, a little bit disappointed that he couldn't have a you know have a, have an impact on the game. Before we came in here, we were having a little debate though, really about the merits of that decision to throw Harry Maguire on. If the yeah. plan was to rest him, to give him extra time, because he'd played 120 minutes in the uh, in the FA Cup. Bearing in mind as well, he's played every minute of every game for yeah. City in the Premier League as well this season. So he's played a lot of football. Really, the merits of that decision to, to throw him on rather than other other defenders that he had options on uh, Southgate it seemed a bit strange. Yeah, I, I I would guess the decision was because he didn't want to throw in one of the uncapped players as a substitute. I think as a defender, you're you're used to starting a game and then playing ninety minutes. Um, it's, I suppose it's a little bit more difficult coming on as a defender than it is coming on as an attacker. Um, and so maybe because the likes of James Tarkovsky and Alfie Mawson haven't played uh, yet for England, maybe Southgate thought, 
well, I don't want to throw them in straight away. It'd, it'd be a bit uncomfortable for them on the debut. So even though Maguire's only got a few caps to his name, he's still a little bit more experienced in That's that his scenario. Fourth cap, yeah, only it? his fourth cap. Um, but he's got he's he's played in that system for England before, and he's he's done very well. Um, and I think that's I think that's now four clean sheets in his in his four caps as well. So he'll be he'll be pleased with that. Um, yeah, I think that's why. But obviously, it's come at a, a little bit of a, a blow with his hamstring problem. I wonder what Claude Puel will be thinking. Though mm. we'll have to be asking him on Thursday at the press conference when we're previewing Brighton. Um, going back to Harry, what about his performance? Um, there was a bit of negativity in some of the national media about his performance that I saw. Um, stuff that saying he, he just didn't get to the pace of the game or. But uh, he's been impressive this season for Leicester City, hasn't he? Yeah, d- definitely. And I, I actually think that going by social media, I think there was a lot of people impressed with with how he played. Um, but perhaps that's people that that don't see him regularly. Um, we see him every week. We know yeah, we see him every week. Ball. So yeah, we yeah we know how he how well he can play. Um, and I think for a lot of England fans that don't see him all that regularly, to see a centre back so confident on the ball and willing to you know dribble forward with it and and try and um, Break through the lines with with, with sort of guilt edge passes. Um, it, I think that's really good to see, and I think it's something that's perhaps surprising to see, given that we're used to typical um, blood and thunder English centre halves throwing their bodies in front of things, making sure they get the tackle, but then leaving all the the, the passing and the dribbling to to other players. Um, so I think yeah, I think he, he's clearly impressing fans, and I think that's not really surprising from what we've seen. Um, at Leicester because he has been one of City's best players this season. Well, he looks like he's got one foot on the plane to Russia, hasn't he, in the World yeah. Cup? There, even though he's coming to the England fray quite late, um, only four caps as we've just uh, discussed. But one thing he might be a little bit worried about is the fact that Carl Walker was playing as one of the, yeah. uh, the back. It almost seems like now Southgate and, and certainly a lot of modern coaches now. You just touched on it there about um, the change, the uh, going away from that old traditional centre half who was there just to defend and. A Robert Hoof type character, yeah. be a pain in the opposition's box with set pieces, but let the other play, let the players play, and you defend. Looks like with Carl Walker playing as one of the three centre backs as well, they just want people who on the ball who can play at yeah. England level now. And it's it, it's perhaps a little bit odd because you would say that Carl Walker is one of England's few players that actually could claim to be world class in his position, and he's being played out of position. But I think you know, um, Kieran Trippier obviously played as well. Uh, I think that. There's clearly quality there, and Southgate's thinking, well, we can play p- players out of position if we want to get them into the team. It's about, I suppose, those players becoming uh, tactically sort of uh, fluent and and learning to, to to compete in different roles. Um, and I'm actually quite pleased with that. I think that that's probably the right way to do it. It gets the it gets the players thinking. It gets you know it uses the talents in different ways, and I think that's um that's a good thing come the World Cup. Let's talk about a couple of the under-21 lads. Well, well Damari Gray, really, because Ben Chow was an unused yeah. substitute against Romania in the Cyril Regis International at Molyneux on Saturday night. And Gray was handed the captain's armband yeah. and, uh, and he scored the first goal on a 2-1 win. Yeah, um, and he seems like he, he did pretty well. I know A.D. Boothroyd, the under-21's manager, was, uh, was full of praise for Gray. Um, and also mentioned his, his leadership qualities as well. I think he was, he was handing the, handed the armband because he was... A local lad um, to, to the to Birmingham where the game was played, um, and so it's um, yeah I think that must give him a little bit more confidence. He's, he, he's I mean he says fairly regularly how disappointed he is whenever he doesn't play for Leicester, and I think over this, the past few months because all Bryson and Morris have been playing so well, 
he, he has lost a bit of game time that we saw him get a lot when Puel first came in. Um, so he'll be pleased with that and I think he only played 60 minutes or so because I think he's been, he's going to play um, in their European Championship qualifier tomorrow night as yeah, well. Against uh, Ukraine aren't they at Bramall yes. Lane? I, I think you probably expect Chilwell to, to maybe feature there as well. Um, so, But certainly from Gray's point of view to to be given the responsibility of, a, um, of the captaincy and to, to have an impact on the game and get a goal is it must be pleasing for him after a, a stint on the bench at City. I think it was both. It was up for both um, Gray and Chilwell. I'm sure Chilwell would have wanted a feature as well because Sir Regis was um, Chilwell's agent yeah. briefly, and uh, Demario Gray also spoke incredibly uh, highly of Sir uh, Met Sir on a number of occasions as well. So I think it was quite a poignant um, occasion for those lads having known Sir Regis and talked about what sort of character he was and what a mentor he was to young footballers and. Um, so it, well, I think it was uh, rather fitting and he did talk about his pride at not only leading the England out but scoring on that particular day on that yeah. occasion didn't he Greg? Yeah and I think that's that's not surprising I think to play for England is is one thing to captain England um, and to have that faith put in you that that is going to make you feel proud but particularly on, on that occasion with it with it being the the uh, a remembrance game for, for Cyril Regis as such an influential uh, figure in, in English football um, I think yeah, that's a that's a big plus for Gray. Well, there's a total of 21 Leicester City players that were on international duty, uh, but a couple of notable ones that weren't. And let's, let's discuss Shinji Okazaki first of yes. all. Now I remember Claudio Ranieri always used to, I uh, used to dread Shinji going away on international duty because all the travelling he used to have to do, and he used to say uh, whoever that player is that comes back, it wasn't Shinji for the first few days because he's so tired. Well, Puel doesn't have that problem now because no. it looks like the Japan international manager has decided. That's it for Shinji Okazaki. Yeah, and it seems it's to do with his his goal scoring. Now, it, with his role he plays at Leicester, he, he doesn't get as many goals as perhaps you would expect of a striker. Although I think this season he's he's already topped his his tally from the previous two seasons. Um, so I think that's he's not really looking at it the right way, I, I, from my opinion, because he brings so much to the team that that's that's away from the goals. Um, but they didn't really do all that well without him. I think they, they needed a 95th minute goal to draw with Marley. So maybe if they continue to, to struggle, maybe he will be brought back as a shock and he will get a, a place on the plane um, to Russia. But yeah, as things stand, it, it doesn't look all that great for him. I mean, the strange thing is, this is a guy that's third in their all-time goal scoring list. Yeah. He's got 50 goals and 111 internationals. He's got vastly experienced. He's been to tournaments before yeah. and you need experience, tournament experience within your squad. You can't just go all for youth and throw them in and expect them to survive in that, in that sort of level of football, in, a, in tournament football. Uh, it seems a really strange decision. Yeah, and it's not like it's, you know, he's got the experience where they say a player's got experience but he's actually 35 and he's on his last legs. He, his running's not affected in any way. I know he, he often gets dragged off after 60 minutes against Leicester, but that's only because he does, he does so much yeah. running. Um, so it, I, I am a bit surprised that they can't, find a place for him in the squad given everything that he offers let's talk about Mark O'Brien I don't want to go too much into because we discussed this in the other podcast the merits of whether he should get an England call up but since then we had a, a nice story we had a chat with Mark and uh, he revealed that a young Leicester fan had written to um, Gareth Southgate calling for Mark O'Brien to be called into the squad and uh, Southgate very kindly sent a letter back uh, copying Mark in saying he's a wonderful player. But not actually saying why he's, yeah. he's, he's not or hasn't uh, picked him in the past. So 
But uh, isn't that nice? I thought it was a nice yeah. little touch. Um, I think Mark's resigned to the fact that he'll never get an England call-up now, though. And he's only 28, and his stats are up there, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. But I, I, from what he was saying to me, that's uh, that's pretty much it for his dreams for playing for England. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think the point he made, and I think that this is right, because he's not been involved in the build-up to this World Cup, it seems unlikely now that all of a sudden he's going to come in and get a spot. Um, and then once we're through this World Cup, then you're looking ahead to the Euros in 2020, and in which case Mark will be then then in his 30s. And he's probably thinking, well, if they're going to introduce any new players in the build-up to Euro 2020, they're going to be younger players. They're probably going to be the likes of Damari Graham and, and Ben Chilwell. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's a shame um, that it, I suppose... His best, the best form of his career has come at such a late stage in his career. Well, I suppose it, 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 in the middle of his career, but really to get uh, to get a place in the England squad now, you have to be impressing at, at 22, 23, 24, that kind of age, and it, it, that didn't quite happen for Mark. Well, perhaps England's loss will be Leicester City's gain because he'll be nice and fresh for City for a number of years to to come. Uh, let's talk about the transfer window then, because um, we. Because it's international break, we did um, collect some questions from supporters and we tried to answer those, didn't we? And one of them was certainly about the transfer business. Um, there's been rumours about Edward Massia, who's the head of recruitment now, who's taken over Steve Walsh, a uh, very low-profile character, uh, being targeted by West Ham United. Um, so whether that would disrupt um, any Leicester City plans. But I know that with the World Cup taking place, it's causing a lot of problems uh, this summer in terms of the transfer window and the fact that the transfer window is now going to shut earlier. Yeah. It's, uh, clubs are having to get their business all lined up now. So I can imagine when that window opens there's going to be quite a few deals done very, very quickly before players disappear to the World Cup because then they won't be able to be contacted. You certainly won't be able to get them to do medicals and stuff like that. They have to wait for the tournament to be over and then they've got a shorter deadline ahead but I still expect us to do plenty of business this summer because it looks like there could be a number of players on their way out. Yeah, definitely. I think we've... Um with the amount of low knees uh, that Leicester have at the minute, you'd expect most, if not all, of those to, to head out on permanent deals. So at the minute we've got the likes of um, Slimani at Newcastle, Musa at CSK Moscow, uh, Kapuska at, at Freiburg, um, and Andy King, I'm sure we'll, we'll get on to in yeah. a second, um, at, at Swansea. And I think uh, Robert Hood's out of contract as well. And I think... Ben Hamer as well. Yes, and we'll I think have to see what happens with Ben Hamer whether they decide without. No, I think because of that club, well, we'll look to strengthen, but also because of the the club's recent accounts in which they revealed the, the record profit. I think he would expect some backing, um, and also it's his first big window as, as Leicester City manager. He's been through the, the January window, but you can't. That's not really a window to to be making deals. Um, because players, players rarely leave in, in the middle of the seasons if, if everything's going well for them. And you would expect Leicester to have to spend some money to replace the likes of Riyad Mahrez. I mean, whether they're going to pour another rabbit out of the hat like Mahrez, who they got for £400,000, we don't know uh, at this stage. We know of certain figures they've been linked with in the past. We certainly know there was an interest in Andros Townsend, yeah. Crystal Palace. If Palace get relegated, then there could be an opportunity there. I imagine there'll be quite a few clubs in for him. Yeah. Um, they have just brought in Diabate, but we were told Diabate has not been signed as a replacement for Mares, but whether long-term he could step up to that role as well. Demari Gray, who we've just discussed, he's in and out of the side at the moment, looks better in a wide position, to be honest, than down the middle anyway. Um, but, so, but I certainly expect them to go out and, 
uh, and try. I mean, Hassan Ben Arthur has been linked several times now, yeah. hasn't he? Um, because of his uh, links to Claude Puel. Be interesting to see who they can they can bring in because we are expecting Mares to go now. This is the, this will be the well the last two windows. He's it's been a bit disruptive by him, yeah. hasn't it? To to try and get his his dream move away. But I still think Leicester City will hold out for a significant amount of, of money yeah. before they will let Mares go. Yeah, I, definitely. I think we've we've seen in the previous two windows that Leicester aren't willing to to let him go for for what they deem is an unacceptable price. Um, but Morris is, is obviously not at the World Cup, so they will have time to, to sort out a yeah. deal. But I suppose it's making sure, from Morris's point of view, that the right club comes in. Um, it, we don't think that he, he wants to leave England. Um, it seems that he would prefer to stay here. Certainly by the lengths he went to to yeah. try and get the deal to Man City to go through. Um, so I think unless... Uh, one of the, the really big hitters comes in, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, one of those sorts of teams. Um, I think we we can expect him to stay uh, in England, um, and particularly if they're selling to a, a Premier League rival, Leicester aren't going to let him go for cheap, even though he's, he's obviously got six months fewer on his contract than he, than he had mm. in January. Still got two um, years, though. He's still got two years, that's that's plenty of time. So I still I think, think expect the fee to be above £50 million. Pounds, yeah, I, I, th- I, w- I would guess that Leicester would still want probably around 60 or 70 um, well they were asking for 80 yeah so yeah, I think you've got that I suppose, that devaluation of six months fewer on, on his contract um, so I think and I think that would probably be a fair price because I think it has it, I mean Puel said it was disruptive mm. um, so there's got to be a point now where they say okay well we can't let this become a, di- become, uh, a disruption any longer um, and try and identify someone who could replace um, Mares adequately um, and then say thanks Riyad and, and, let him, and let him go in press elsewhere Well if Riyad goes and Robert Hoofer we're expecting to go it's Ben Hamer, all members of that squad that lifted that trophy a couple of years ago but there's one more significant member of that squad who could be on his way this summer on a permanent deal and that's Andy King mm. the club's longest serving player has been at the club since he's 15 years old he's now 29 uh, played over 300 games, he's won the league one title won the Championship and the Premier League. He's been a fantastic servant for the club, but if he indicates to Leicester City that he wants to move away and make his move to Swansea City, who look like they're going to be safe in the Premier League for next yeah, season. Yeah. And we understand there's a lot of reports this morning that Swansea City want to make the deal permanent. Andy King has said when he went there on loan that if it all works out, he would like, he'd be interested in making that permanent as well. From what we understand, if he says to Leicester City he wants to move on, then Leicester City won't stand in his way. They'll showing him a lot of respect. They won't stand in his way he's been a fantastic servant for the club uh, so if he wants to go then I think Leicester City will let him go and say thank you very much for all your work yeah and I think that, that's the right thing to do that, uh, it's Andy King has been such a, an important part of the, the Leicester City squad even though perhaps he's not always been the team he's been an important part of the squad throughout the past uh, 10 or 11 seasons um, and so to, to deny him a, a move if he wants to go would would be extremely harsh so I think that that would be the right thing to do and if he does want to leave and like you say he did suggest that his time at Leicester has come to an end and that that he would like the Swansea deals to become permanent then I think Leicester have to say yeah thanks Andy um, uh, and let him go but I'm, I'm not surprised Swansea have been impressed with him um, I think we all know that as well as doing a job on the pitch he's incredibly professional um, 
you know, he's one of the Incredibly best. Incredibly professional to the yeah. extent where he monitors every single thing that passes between his lips, food or drink. You know, he, he, yeah. he will walk out of a restaurant if he finds doesn't find anything on the on the menu that uh, he can't eat. That's not good for his body. So yeah. that's how professional he is, and he's been a great uh, inspiration to young players as well. I mean, just looking at some quotes from Ben Chilwell saying how it was King in particular, he used to put an arm around him and discuss with him what he needs to do in training to impress the manager to try and get his first team chance. So I think he, his influence at the Down Beaver Drive will be felt when his loss will be felt. Yeah, I mean, even recently, Adrian Silva said that you know, when he was, when he turned up at the club and obviously couldn't play, he said that, that Andy King and Matty James were the two players that that helped him out. And you know, particularly for Andy King when... Given that Adrian Silva is now in the squad, that mm. that's pushed Andy King out. But for him to do that to to make him feel welcome, that you know that shows what uh, what sort of a bloke uh, King he is. And um, I'm really not surprised that, that Swansea won that kind of influence at, at their training ground and in their squad. Well, certainly not short of central midfield options. Is he pure? I mean, if you think Vicente Bora, Wilfred Ndidi, uh, Silva, as we just discussed, Matty James, Danny Amati was signed as a centre midfield yeah. player, defensive centre midfield, plus Papi Mende. Could be yeah. coming back uh, next season. On he's been on loan this season at Nice. Seems to have, have his time at Leicester City seems to have ended before it even started. I think he only made four appearances, didn't he, for, for yeah. City then? Uh, but he used to play for Mon- uh, Puel Monaco. So there might uh, be no, Nice. It was, was it Nice? Sorry. Yes. So they they have got that link there then. Yeah, and, and he was uh, it was Puel's captain um, at Nice. Um, so yeah, there is that there is that link. Um, and I think at the very at the very start of. Powell's reign, I think it was mentioned, and that he said he would he would keep an eye on him and, and see how he's getting on. Um, so yeah, whether he comes back and and plays a role, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think he's probably got enough options there, um, if, and maybe it's more than possible that Mendy might not want to come back, and that mm-hmm. he's actually for you know given you know the injuries that he suffered and the, the time he had here, he's probably getting on a, a little bit better um, uh, in France. So yeah, that's what that's one to watch. Um, but I think I would think central midfield is probably one of Leicester's strongest areas at the minute. Yeah, and I imagine it's other areas that they'll be looking to uh, strengthen during the transfer window. But that's all to come. We've got uh, the resumption of the Premier League uh, this weekend with an away trip to Brighton and Hove Albion. We'll be doing another podcast later in the week to preview that from the press conference at the King Power Stadium on Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to head over to the Mercury website and our Facebook page for all the stories this week. <laughs>